Amen. Thank you. Thank you. There we are. I think I've pressed the right button. Am I unmuted? There we are. I'm okay. I'm fine. I just need. I just need this. Thanks very much. It really is um, a, a joy to be with you. Um, I wish you hadn't let the cat out of the bag that this is my favourite of all the hub churches to come to. Um, and pretty much because you're the only one that ever invites me back. So, uh, but it's really, really good to be here. And uh, I really, I just want to say I so enjoyed worshipping with you today. Great choice of songs. Really did enjoy it. We, we are um, in Wakefield, we meet in the home. So worship is not quite on this scale. We do like to worship together. Usually we'll just ask Alexa to play us something and we'll sing along. And, um, you know, and she's, she's quite limited to some of the stuff that I know, which is quite old, which is why I was so glad we sang Ancient of Days, which were my favourites. I remember singing that in a Bible week 30 years ago, the first time, and always loved it. It's good when we worship to sing songs about God thanking him. I always feel disappointed when I sing songs about myself when I come to church. That doesn't uplift me singing about my own misery. I like to sing songs that glorify Jesus. And I find when I glorify Jesus, that lifts me up, lifts my spirits. Um, amen. Thank you for, yes. Good to sing songs about Jesus. Sing, sing things what he's done. And uh, the Bible says that we enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. We enter his courts with praise. And that's thanking him for what he's done and praising him for who he is. And when you do that, you'll come into the presence of God every time, no matter where you are. And uh, I love to worship. It was really great to be in a lovely congregation this morning. I enjoyed the harmonies. I was trying very much to save my voice. I've spent the whole week. This is the first time I've been out of the house in a week because I've been fighting off a flu. And um, two days ago, I couldn't actually speak. So as, the, as uh, these two sessions wear on, I will sound more like Barry White by the second <laughs> session. People think you've got a different Glaswegian in the house speaking to you, but, um, and I just want to also send my uh, a, a greetings from Karen, my wife, who was due to be with me. She's been nursing me all week, then this morning she woke up and she had what I've had, so she was coughing and splitting. She's done a COVID test and she's not got COVID, but she thought it might make you nervous having her coughing all over you this morning, so, so she stayed at home. So unfortunately, I can't stay for the whole day because I'm, I'm due to go back and look after her this afternoon, but it's great to be with you this morning, and I'm glad I'm in the right place. It was good. When you started the meeting this morning, I thought, I'm in the right place. Because the very first scripture that we heard today was this. God is a good God. His plans for us are good. His plans for us are to prosper us and not to harm us. To give us a hope and a future. Do you believe that? I really believe that. If we didn't believe that, life at the moment would be very depressing. You know, I'm uh, 55 years old now. And um, I don't think there's ever been a time that I can remember, unless I've got rose-tinted spectacles looking back, I don't think I've ever been in a time where there has been more fear, more worry, more doubt, more stress. It just seems that all across the world, everything that can be shaken is being shaken. Would you agree? It's not just me then. Sometimes it's good not to watch the news because it's so terrifying. But we are those that need to keep our eyes fixed upon God fixed upon his word, because when we remain fixed upon God, it gives us peace. The Bible says you'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Okay? If we focus on God and how good he is, it keeps us in perfect peace. It's not denying what is going on, but it keeps our eyes on the one who's above it all. 
Psalm 2 says, why do the nations rage? It talks about this great conspiracy that's going on in the world. I'm a biblical conspiracy theorist. I believe there's a conspiracy because the Bible says so. And it says there's a conspiracy against God in the world. But verse 4 of Psalm 2 says this, God in his heaven laughs. He is not perturbed. He's not disturbed. He's not knocked off his throne by what is going on in the world. The nations can rage and do what they like, but God is unmoved. And as his people, we are also to be unmoved. We are to be able to be joyful and peaceful in spite of everything that's going on. Do you believe that? There we are. If you believe anything I say, just nod at me, smile, the odd amen. I'm, I'm originally a Pentecostal. These things don't put me off. In fact, I've done a lot of preaching on the streets. Even heckling does not put me off. You can call me names and it will only inspire me more to keep going. Okay. So we're going to this morning. I've got two, two sessions. And what is it 11 o'clock I've got until when do I finish? Uh, yeah, 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock. Okay, there we are. Okay, just cough or something if I go over. I've got my very focals on so I can see the clock. But I'd like you, if you've got your Bibles, to turn with me to Genesis chapter 26. Matt is right. You know, we don't just want to hear what I, my thoughts are. We want to hear what God has got to say. And so when I spoke to Ellie a few weeks ago and we talked about today and what the theme of the day was, which is the generosity of God, I said, Lord, what do you want to say in this circumstance? So I believe most strongly that what I'm going to share with you today is what God wants to say to you. That's very important. It's not just my ramblings. My family get those. You're going to get what God wants to say. So Genesis 26, you will notice, is in the Old Testament. It's the first book in the Bible. I wouldn't normally have to qualify this, but I was speaking to a, a church leader a few weeks ago, and we were discussing something. We were discussing a, a, a point of scripture, a point of principle. And he said, where is that in the Bible? And I pointed to a scripture that was in 1 Kings. And he said, but that's in the Old Testament. I said, well, that's still the Bible. And he said, yeah, but we are New Testament believers. I said, yes, but we read again this morning, all scripture is God-breathed. When Paul wrote that, he wasn't talking about the New Testament because they didn't have the New Testament. He was speaking about the scripture. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching us, training us, correcting us. It's really important you understand that. We read the Old Testament scriptures in the light of what Jesus has done, but we don't dismiss them out of hand because there are principles, there are truths, there are great mysteries here that were, were written and inspired by the Holy Spirit that are absolutely applicable and relevant to us in our everyday lives. I absolutely believe that. I love the Old Testament. The things that don't apply to us is this. We're not under that Old Testament law. Hebrews was written to the Israelites or the people, the Jewish people, who'd been under this system for years. But that system, Hebrews tells us, became obsolete at Jesus. We don't have to offer sacrifices anymore. We do live in a dispensation of grace, but there is great truth in the scripture. And Jesus himself would say repeatedly, it is written, it is written. When the enemy came against him to get him into doubt and fear and to give up his destiny, Jesus would answer from the scriptures. And we're going to read from the scriptures. Is that okay? Just thought I needed to say that just in case there was anyone else who thought this wasn't you know, applicable and why we're reading it. But this is Genesis 26. I'm going to take two passages today, the first and the second session, and I'm going to give you two great truths that are so important to us. Verse 1. 
it says, there was another famine in the land in addition to the one that had occurred in Abraham's time. There was another famine in the land. There was another recession. And, it, and this is what it says. It says, And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines at Gerar. The Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land that I tell you about. Stay in this land as a foreigner, and I will be with you and bless you. For I will give you all these lands to you and your offspring. I will confirm the oath that I swore to your father Abraham. I'll make your offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky. I will give your offspring all these lands and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring. Because Abraham listened to my voice and kept my mandate, my commands, my statutes and my instructions. So Isaac settled in Gerar. Now, in that passage... It says, as I said, there was another famine in the land. That refers to a famine that we see back in Genesis chapter 12, where Abraham, who'd been told to go into the land, was confronted with famine and hardship, and he left the place where God had told him to be, and he went to Egypt. And when we talk about going to Egypt, it's talking about going back into the world system. In other words, he wasn't able to stay. He didn't understand that God could provide for him where he was. So he went to a place of natural provision. He took his eyes off the promise of God and he went down. And if you read the story, when he went down to Egypt, he got himself into all sorts of problems, all sorts of sins. I like the fact that the, the word actually covers up for him. He says, Abraham obeyed all my commands. He wouldn't have had to say that to Isaac if Abraham had actually stayed in that same place. But Abraham, unlike his father, decided to stay. He decided to stay in the midst of the famine and not go down, take his family down to a place where he thought there would be provision. He decided in that circumstance to trust God. And there's a principle there for us that even in the midst of everything that's going on, we are called to trust God because he is able and this is what the, the scripture goes on to say. He says, stay in the land, I will be with you. How cool is that? Jesus himself made that same promise to us. He made it to his disciples before he ascended and he said this, I'll be with you always. And when we understand that Jesus is with us, the Lord himself is with us, that is a game changer. Isn't it? That's a game changer. I will be with you. When I was, um, when I was at, at school, we moved down to England when I was 12 years old. And I know you'll find this hard to believe now, but I was the smallest guy in the school. I was a little guy. And I used to get bullied. First of all, because I couldn't speak English properly. So my accent was a bit of a giveaway where we lived. And so I used to get bullied. So this is what I did. I made friends with the toughest guy in the school. He was twice the size of me. He was called Naeem, a Pakistani lad, and we're still friends to this day. But he was the toughest guy in the school. When I made friends with him, it was a game changer. <laughs> Nobody bullied me again. Because my big mate would grab them by the throat, take them into the girls' toilets, and sort them out. <laughs> Can I say this to you? When the Lord is with you, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. Because when he's with you, you can have confidence. You can have confidence that he is able. 
And God says in this scripture to Isaac, I will be with you. But then he goes further. He says this, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And the first thing I want to speak about this morning in this first session is this. I want you to understand about the blessing of God. The blessing of God. This is so important to us. What does it mean? When we, when in, in Christian circles sometimes we say, oh, bless you. Or, you know, God bless you. It can be almost like a bit of a greeting, can't it? You know, how are you? Oh, fine. Oh, bless you. But the blessing of God is a game changer. Because the blessing of God coming on your life means this. It means that God has, in layman's terms, empowered you to prosper. Empowered you to do well. I want to say this is... This is um, I, did, I went through these scriptures and I just was looking into the Hebrew and the Greek. And I want to just give you some of the words that are used here. That Greek word for blessing means divine favor. Fortunate, happy, to be envied, it says in the Amplified Bible. Favorable circumstances. Resting in the kindness of God. The blessing of God is divine favor. God is empowering Isaac in this story to do well regardless of the circumstances that's what the blessing of God is and in the Old Testament they understood that the blessing of God was really really valuable in fact if you go to I won't ask you to do this but even in chapter 25 you see that Jacob and Esau Isaac's sons Jacob actually conned his brother out of the blessing it was worth risking his relationship, he thought, with his own brother. It was worth going through all this rigmarole of trying to dress himself up and make himself smell like the older brother in order to get the blessing from his father. The blessing was powerful in his life. And he conned his brother out of the blessing. And then when Esau found out that he'd been conned out of the blessing, he went bananas and, and Jacob had to run for his life. But the blessing of God was so powerful. If you, if you follow the story of Jacob on, Jacob goes to work for his uncle Laban, who was a crook and a con man. And because Jacob was there, everything in Laban's house prospered. To the point that this is true, when, when Jacob decided he was leaving, Laban said to Jacob, he says, I know that I'm blessed because you're blessed. The blessing of God was on him because Jacob was in his house. And this is what it says. He says to Jacob, name your price. Name your wages and stay with me. That's what it says. I'll give you the... I'll give you the oh, do I have the reference? I'll find it for you afterwards. He says, name your price. He says, and, he says, and stay with me. The blessing of God was so powerful in the life of Joseph that wherever Joseph went, whatever circumstances he went into, whether it was into Potiphar's house as a slave or into prison, it says this, the blessing of God was on him and it caused him to rise up in those circumstances. The blessing of God is powerful, okay? The blessing of God is powerful. His favor on the life is powerful, okay? Now, keep your finger in Genesis chapter 26. I want you to go over to Galatians chapter three. We'll go to the New Testament and I want to apply this. Help me to apply this to your life. Galatians chapter 3, verse 6. It says, Just 
As Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness, so understand that those who have faith are Abraham's sons. Do you have faith? What are you? Yes, absolutely. Now the scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and foretold the good news to Abraham saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. So those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. Are you in faith? What are you? You're blessed. My dad really got hold of this. My dad is almost 80. If you ever ask my dad, you say, Dad, how are you? He says, I'm blessed. That's his, that's his pat answer. Regardless of how he feels, he says, I'm blessed. I like that. We have a British disease, don't we? When people say, how are you? What do we say? Not too bad. <laughs> Not too bad. <sighs> I recently did a course. I was, um, I was, uh, with, I was on a, doing an English language course over in Leeds. And in the class we had, um, there was two, two Chinese people, three Saudis. And uh, we were just discussing this. These were visitors to the country. And they, they were sort of surprised. Particularly the Saudis think we're a bit downbeat. <coughs> How are you? Not too bad. Yeah, okay. I don't want to be like that. I want to say, I'm blessed. How are you? I'm blessed. We are blessed. This is what the scripture says. So Galatians chapter 3, just, just reading on. Verse 10, for those who rely on the works of the law are under a curse because it's written, cursed is everyone who does not continue doing everything written in the book of the law. Now it's clear that no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. But the law is not based on faith. Instead, the one who does these things will live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it's written, cursed is everyone who is hung in a tree. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles in Christ Jesus so that we could receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. All that Jesus went through, it says here, he went through so the blessing that was on Abraham could come to us. We're blessed. I want you to know that we're blessed. So therefore we shouldn't be downbeat regardless of what's going on. Because when you're blessed, God is able to make a way for you regardless of what is going on because blessing means that the divine favour of God is on your life. You may not feel that way. I might not feel that way. I didn't feel that way this week for quite a lot of the time. But as we read a scripture this morning, I think, Faye, you read the scripture from the Psalms that says this, I will live and not die. I've been confessing that over myself all week. Because I had man flu. <laughs> I will not die, but I will live. I've been confessing the word of God over my life. Why? Because the Bible says, by his stripes, I was healed. It says that Jesus paid for that on the cross. So therefore, I believe that it's mine. I'm standing in faith. That's what it means. It means believing what God has said over what my circumstances are. Doesn't deny what's going on, but that's what it says. So that's what I do, and I continue to do that. And we need to understand that we are blessed. We are blessed. The Lord has a problem with people who are unthankful. When we look in, um, we look in the story of the Israelites, they constantly forgot the good things that God had done for them, 
and they constantly harped on and moaned and groaned about what they didn't have instead of thanking the Lord for what they did have. The story of the Israelites is that's all the way through, isn't it? You know, they get rescued out of slavery in Egypt. They're two weeks into the wilderness and they're complaining that they're not back in Egypt again. And they've forgotten all the whippings. They've forgotten the slavery. And their mind is on cucumbers. Oh, didn't we have cucumbers back then? That's what they said. You know, as a Glaswegian, I'm not very big into vegetables myself. That is an alien concept. But you maybe like cucumber sandwiches. But to me, having been in slavery for 400 years, I wouldn't be missing cucumbers. They were complaining about the manna. But thankfulness pleases God. It's good for us to be thankful. It's good for us to recognize the good things that God has done for us. And when we give to God, in our giving, we are thanking the Lord for everything that he has given us. We're acknowledging that everything we have comes from him. (coughs) And that's a good way to live. My mother taught me this lesson years ago when I was a little boy. And um, she didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of money in the house at the time. And, uh, and I loved to collect cars. I loved to, these little, remember dinky cars? Anybody old remember dinky? I used to collect dinky cars. And my mum was, my mum's a real giver. That's her love language, giving. And uh, she'd buy little gifts and stuff. And she went out this day. And I remember she came back. And I was really, really hopeful that she'd bought me a dinky car. And she hadn't. She'd bought me a book. I was not best pleased. It was a, I think it was like an, a dandy or a beano annual or something. But she bought me a book. And uh, I'll never forget this. This is a lesson I learned. She said, I didn't get you a car today. I got you a book. And I went, a book? A book? I wanted a car, not a book. And my mother's face changed. Because she'd spent what little she had buy me this gift. And this is what she did. She said, okay, you don't want this book? I'm going to give it to Patrick next door, my friend next door. And I, and I saw the book and I thought, oh, that's the dandy, I'll enjoy that. No, 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 she said, you're not having this book. And she walked out the house and I ran after her. Like, mom, mom. And she walked up our path and she walked down the path the next door and she knocked on the door and Patrick's mother was there. She opened the door. My mum said, is Patrick there? She said, yes. And Patrick came to the door and she said to Patrick, Patrick, I want you to have this book on one condition. Do not let him borrow it. <laughs> Promise me this, Patrick. And she, hey, Mrs. Lavery. You can have this book. Don't let him borrow it. And I was, mum, I was crying. I was in tears because my mum had given this book away. And to this day, I've never read that book. But I learned a valuable lesson. I will never be ungrateful again. I won't be unthankful for the good things that come into my life. I'm going to be somebody who thanks the Lord. And thanking God and appreciating what he's given us is so important. Because here's the thing. The purpose of the blessing, this is important. The purpose of the blessing we read in Genesis is so that we can be a blessing. That's why God puts things into our lives. Number one, he wants us to be blessed. I want you to know that. God's will is for you to be blessed, but he does it so that you also can be a blessing. God's heart for us, God's will for us as his people is that we should show the face of God to the world. That our generous living, our way of sharing, 
Our desire to, just to give is a demonstration of God's goodness to the world. He blesses us so that we can be a blessing. You are not only blessed, but you are called to be a blessing. Isn't that great? You're called to be a blessing. That's what the word of God teaches us. And in this circumstance, this was always God's plan. So when he spoke to Isaac and he said this, he said, I'm going to give you all these lands to you and your offspring. I'll confirm the oath that I swore to your father Abraham and I'll make your offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky. I'll give your offspring all these lands and all these nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring. The same purpose of the blessing in Isaac's life, in Abraham's life, in Jacob's life has come upon us who are in Christ that we are called to be a blessing to the world. And it's great to be a blessing. You know, God's, have you heard of the love languages? Does that make sense to you? That was a revelation to me. That was a revelation to me. You know, I think I, we, we sat down with my, my wife and my, my two girls, and uh, my youngest girl is a giver. She loves getting gifts. She loves receiving gifts. And, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. If you just thought about her and you buy her a little gift. I remember one day I was in Lidl. I love Lidl. I like Aldi as well, but Lidl's my favourite. And guess what my favourite bit of Lidl is? No, how dare you? How dare you? Wow. When I said about the heckling, I wasn't even joking. I wasn't, you know, there's no need to get personal. After I said nice things about a worship leader as well. Anyway, no, the middle aisle. I love the middle aisle. I love seeing all those things that I didn't realize I needed until I walked up the middle aisle. And one day I was walking up the middle aisle and I saw um, it was a label maker. And my daughter, she's a, she loves stationery. And I saw this label maker and I thought, it was nine pounds. And I bought this label maker for my little girl, Hope. And um, wow, that's the best nine pounds I ever spent. I'm always getting stuff, with, she's 26 now, so always getting stuff with labels on them now, even to this day. But she loved it, she was delighted because she's a giver. She's a giver, and therefore she loves the whole thing of giving and receiving gifts is really what makes her happy. My mum's the same, she's a giver. My mum knits constantly. My mum knits for people she doesn't even know. See if Faye and I ever became friends, which is highly unlikely after this morning. <laughs> You know, and, and she was having a baby, and I said, my friend's having a baby. My mum would knit you a, a, a shawl for that baby. That's all, all gone now. That moment has passed. But that's what she's like. She's a giver. But she does get a bit hurt if people don't say thank you. She does feel as if she puts hours and hours in. And you know what? God appreciates our thanks. He blesses us, and he wants us to be grateful for his blessings. But we have to acknowledge that everything we have comes from him. I was reading this week in the book of Hosea, and I don't know if you, um, I don't know if you, you read, you know, Hosea is quite a tough old story to read. And um, in the story, the prophet Hosea marries a woman who is unfaithful. And, um, uh, and this, is, this is God's way of representing his relationship with his people, about how his people are unfaithful to him. But this is Hosea chapter 2, and, um, and, and 
This is what she says. Well, this is the Lord speaking. It says, it says, the mother is promiscuous. She conceived them and acted shamefully. For she thought, I will go after my lovers, the men who give me my food and water, my wool and flax, my oil and drink. In other words, the, the problem with this woman was not just that she was promiscuous. She was going after other men who she looked to for provision. And this is verse 8. It says this. She does not recognize that it is I who gave her the grain, the new wine and the oil. I lavish silver and gold on her. God's complaint, if you like, God's hurt in this story was this, that the bride, the wife, was looking elsewhere for provision. God wants us to recognize that he is the source of blessing and he wants us in turn to be a blessing to others. You mums and dads, doesn't it make you proud when you see your kids share? It's great, isn't it? You know, when I, I, my wife and I, in our previous job, well, she's still in nursing. I was, I was in shifts. I was a policeman. But, you know, I used to have to take my kids to the mums and tots group when my wife was asleep after a night shift. And I just remember one particular occasion when my youngest daughter was clearly not sharing. And I was looking across, lots of kids, lots of mums and tots there as well. And, and uh, I could see my youngest daughter, who can be quite tough, fighting with some kid over a toy or something and just wasn't sharing. And I didn't intervene. I just pretended I didn't know her. <laughs> I had a newspaper and I just went like that. You know. But if she was sharing in kind, I'd be, look at my girl, she's just so mature. God is proud of us when we are generous. When we are generous, he is proud. He looks upon us with real um, joy when we become generous people because that reflects his heart and we are called to be a people who reflect the heart of the Father in all that we do but I want us to understand first and foremost in our first session today that we have the blessing of God on our lives and therefore we have favour I'm going to just finish with one little story before we finish this session just to talk about this Back 30 years ago, when my wife and I finished Bible school, my wife's a nurse, she went straight into work straight away, and I couldn't find any work. And uh, I ended up taking a, a job in a warehouse, just stacking shelves and doing things like that just to make ends meet. But I was praying and asking the Lord, I felt the Lord say, ask specifically for a specific, God said to me, ask for the job that you really want. And so I prayed and, I, I, and this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to work in the motor industry. I've always loved cars. And I wanted to work in a car firm where I could drive lots of different cars. So I prayed about a job. And then I, I wrote down, this is the salary that I need. And I wrote down, this is the salary that I need. And, um, and then a few weeks later, a friend of mine contacted me who worked for this huge multinational organisation and one of their divisions was a big car leasing division in this big sort of thing. He said, there's a job going there, Dave. You should apply. So when I looked at the job description and the wages on offer, it was pretty much what I'd written down in my little petition to the Lord. And anyway, so I applied for the job and I went for an interview and there was about a dozen people at the interview. I think nine of them already worked for the company. You know how that goes, don't you? Internal applications. And um, so I went, I did the interview, did the best I could. I'd got no experience at all in this industry. And I didn't work for the company. I wasn't even from the area. So I did the interview and I went back and was in, working in the warehouse. And a few days later, I got a call to say, you've been asked to come back for a second interview. I thought, oh, 
So I went back for the interview, and there was, there was two other people there. One of them was an internal applicant, and the other one was a guy that had 25 years' experience in the motor industry. If I was interviewing, I'd have given him the job. So I did the interview. I even said to my wife, this is how much faith I had. I said to my wife, well, I'm probably just there to make up the numbers so they can say we you know, interviewed someone from outside. I went back to work in this enormous warehouse, and um, the very next day, the tannoy in the warehouse, David Lowry, come to the front desk, and I went to the desk of the warehouse, and I answered the phone that the call was waiting for me, and it was the man that interviewed me. He said, I'd just like to let you know we want you to have this job. And I was shocked that I got this job. And I went for the job, and the, the salary, at that time, this is a long time ago, the salary was £2,500 more than I'd even put in my petition. It was better than what I asked for. And, this will tell you how long ago it was, there was a brand new silver Ford Orion gear. <laughs> Some people know how cool that is. Alloy wheels. Reversible tape cassette deck. <laughs> I was blessed. God blessed me. But the story doesn't end here. This is what I want you to know. The company, within two years of working the company, and I was kind of on the lowest rung here, the company was taken over by a big American corporation. And they came in, and um, I don't know if you, does anybody watch The Office, The American Office, or The Office, you know? They get taken over by this company, and they, you know, they, you know, when they get taken over, they show this video of how great it's going to be, and we do this, and we do that. Within two weeks, they started making everyone redundant. And so the department I worked in, I had seven other people working there, all of who were senior to me. And this particular morning, I went in, and one by one, all my colleagues were called into this office, and one by one, each of them came out and um, basically had been given their P45 and were on their way. Some of them had been in the company for years and were in tears. And I was sat at my desk and I called Karen at home and she was, she was pregnant at the time and she'd just gone on to sort of a maternity break. This could not have come at a worse time. And I phoned Karen, I said, love, it looks like everyone's getting the bullet today. I said, I might be home. In fact, I thought I'd be leaving the car. I said, you might need to come and collect me because I thought that it looks as if it's all going wrong. Anyway, I was the last person we called into the office and the manager was there, and he said, David, it's been a really bad day. He said, we've had to lay all your colleagues off. He said, I want you to know that we're promoting you. <laughs> we're moving you to a different office, and we're giving you a brand new Vauxhall Vectra. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. When God blesses you, you can't be cursed. When God gave me that job, God gave me that job. There's no doubt about it. And even when I was feeling insecure, God was able to keep me in that job. And he kept me in the job until I was ready to go somewhere else. Now you may think, well, that's just all random stuff. That's all just, you know. But I know what I wrote to the Lord. I know what he promised me. And I know that he was able to provide through a tough time. And so I want you to know today, when God's favor is on your life, you can trust him. Regardless of what is going on, I could, we're, all, we're out of time now, I could give you story after story after story where God provided for us when it seemed as if all the circumstances were against us. When we feel as if everything's closing in, it stops our generosity because we start to think, I need to just hold on to this. I need to hold on to this. 
But God wants you to know, regardless of what is going on, he wants you to continue to be generous. Why? Because regardless of what is going on, he's going to continue to feed you. He's going to continue to uphold you. He's going to continue to meet your needs. And when we do session two, I'm going to add all this together for you. And by the end of it, you're going to be shouting amen. I don't care if you're not Pentecostals. You might be Anglicans. You might be Baptists. You might never have said amen in your life. But when we get to the second session, we start to look at these other things. You're going to have, your faith is going to be built up and you're going to trust God through these tough times that you're going to be blessed and be a blessing. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us this. Thank you that it's God-breathed. You breathed it, Lord, and you want us to have it. I thank you that faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word. And Lord, I really pray for my brothers and sisters today, Lord, that just as we listen to these words, as we listen to your word, Lord, that our faith will be increased, our trust will be increased, and we will be able to look to you. Lord, we do not want to stop doing good. We want to continue to be the people you've called us to be, to continue to be a blessing. And we thank you, Lord, that you're our source, not our job, Lord, not whatever government's in power, Lord, whatever mess they're making, Lord, you're our source. And we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so far, Matt? That's fantastic.